Hi, I'm a higher ed CMO and I have a confession to make. I have been through at least five website redesigns over the course of my career. And honestly, thinking about doing website redesigns makes me a little bit weak. Um, the thought of going through the process again is absolutely exhausting. And yet it's something that we do year after year. Um, we have to refresh our websites. We have to change everything that we're doing in that space. And I think it's also an opportunity for us to look at breaking down some of the silos across our organization. And that's why I'm really excited about this week's guest, Kimberly Osborne, who's going to talk about some of the ways that she restructured their website to be a really student-centric, student-focused website that serves the audience rather than following the hierarchy of the organization, which in her case is UNC Greensboro. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, the podcast designed for higher education marketers. I'm your host, Jamie Hunt, and I am so excited to have this opportunity to share insights and inspiration. With Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, I'm designing a different kind of podcasting experience. With each episode, I'll be bringing in a guest for a deep dive into the challenges and joys we all face in higher education marketing. After each episode, you can join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag HigherEdCMO. I would love to see this become like a book club, but for a podcast. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at, at @jamiehuntimc. That's J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-C for more opportunities to connect. I'm so happy to be here with my old friend, Kimberly Osborne, who is the Associate Vice Chancellor of Integrated Marketing Communications at UNC Greensboro. Hey, Kimberly, how are you? I'm good, Jamie. How are you? I'm happy to be here. I am great. I'm happy to have this conversation about um, the UNCG website and the approach that you've taken to that project. But first, can you tell us a little bit about your higher ed journey? Sure. It's, I think it's a unique journey. I actually started right out of college in entertainment television, but had always wanted to go into broadcast news. And so that was only like a six month stint and then spent uh, about a decade in broadcast news and uh, certainly earned my master's in integrated marketing communications and went to the quote unquote dark side and um, started to work in government. I worked for the Department of Revenue in the state of West Virginia and then I was recruited to be the press secretary for Governor Irway Tomlin when he was serving in that role. And from there I left and went into higher education. And so I spent, um, I think, I forget how many years at uh, West Virginia State University. It's an HBCU in the heart of West Virginia. Uh, then came here to UNC Greensboro back in 2017. And so I've always been in communications, marketing, PR roles of various areas, um, but I uh, really enjoy Greensboro. It's a beautiful town and uh, work with some really, really great people. That's awesome. And I have met Kimberly when I was at Winston-Salem State, which was just down the road from UNCG. So it's been great. I guess we've known each other for about six years now. That, yeah, yeah. That time, time flies. flies. <laughs> Everything from 2020 before 2020 feels like a lifetime ago. It really does. It really does. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
So UNCG recently launched what you're calling the quote-unquote next generation website. Can you tell me a little bit about what you mean by that? Sure. We call it the next generation website project because it was much more than, hey, we need to redesign our website, right? We um, created a design system. We were impacting 400 websites that the university has because the university wow. never has one. It has, we have about 400. Um, and we were organizing content based upon the user need, not the business structure. And our website um, had been the way it was for at least 10 years and was the old style where, you know, we were really cut with our borders. We couldn't go full screen. And we were organized based upon our internal business structure. We were not organized in a way that would actually help the end user, in this case, prospective students first, not only, but prospective students first, to navigate their way to learn about the university and to be able to acquire the knowledge that they needed by visiting the website. So we needed to call it something substantial because if we just said website redesign and then started pulling on and, and bringing people together, they'd be like, why am I here? I don't do design. I don't do web. And so we had to pull folks into this website world, um, many of them who really hadn't been there. You know, they might have said to a colleague, hey, can you post this on our website? But they were not in the day to day, like, how should we organize our website? So we had to do a lot of education and we felt we needed to note we were decentralized uh, web presence, uh, which is not uncommon in higher ed, um, but it was pretty stale. And we found other folks on campus saying, we want to be more dynamic, so we're going to use this plugin, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And very quickly, that decentralization uh, of things started to impact the brand. Um, you know, as you know, brands more than colors and logos. Yes. Um, but we found ourselves going, you know, a student who's coming in might go from this website to another. And it looks like it's at a completely different school based upon the experience they're having. So when we said we need to we need to hone this in, we need to create something that an average person can use. You don't have to be a programmer to put up a website and a web page. Um, and we really looked at it and said, you know, what are the elements that we need? Whose input do we need? And and we we attacked it. We were very very um, you know robust in our effort. Um, and there's a lot of lessons learned through that. Um, but but we we really went for it. You know, our, our chancellor often says, I'd rather you take a giant step and a leap and miss than just go for a one percent increase. And we. We really, we went for it, um, and I'm proud to say we, we pulled it off. Longer than we anticipated, but we pulled it off, and we did that because we had the support of the, the entire campus community. So this is really a fundamental reimagining of the website, mm -hmm. and in a former life when I was um, the director of web and interactive media at Radford, we tried to talk to people about how the siloed way of structuring things um, is just not serving our audiences at all. But having been through at least five website redesigns in the last 18 and a half years, that's always where people end up wanting. Like mm -hmm. that's the that's the structure they can picture. And it's like nobody's going to look for, um, I'm just going to throw out a hypothetical, but let's say campus police reports to the chief of staff. That It doesn't make any sense for you to have to go through the chief of staff's website to get to campus police. How did you have that conversation with 
your end users and with your um, the departments that had websites? Sure. Um, well, I think we we started at a good place. And a colleague, I'll steal his, his words, he said, you know, we had a, a lot of people in the room who wanted to do the right thing. Mm. Whether or not we agreed what was the right thing, <laughs> that's, right. That's, that's where the rub comes. Um, but we kept coming back to, we knew the enrollment cliff was coming. And it was, this website is not serving our prospective students well. So how do we serve our prospective students well? And when we would have that conversation, it would make sense. People would nod their heads and they would say, okay, yeah, we, we need to do that. But I also want this. And it, was, it wasn't an immediate no. It was, okay, let's put that on our list. Let's see how else that comes up. Let's see where can we use that. Um, because if multiple people wanted something and it did meet the need of the prospective student, we did it. At the same time, I've heard we almost went too far in that direction because I've heard people say, well, you know, we, we can't do this anymore because the website's not for stu- our current students or the website's yeah. not for faculty. And I would have to hold the reins and go, hold on a second. I said it's prospective students first, not only. And so we really, you know, coaching them through the content, coaching them through um, the information architecture that was probably one of the biggest challenges was to really wrap their minds around because you work in your unit and your silo we have to think about how your services especially for students that might be under the division of student success also connect with what's happening in the academic colleges and such and so once we had the information architecture set we pulled um, a content team together and this was more than a hundred roles across the university. And I say a hundred roles because some people were in multiple areas on the website. We knew we not needed their knowledge in multiple areas. So based upon the information architecture, we set up a team that handled admissions. We set up a team that handled campus life and resources. And for some folks, this is the first time they were talking to each other where, you know, campus life and resources is all of this. And this is everything from, as you mentioned, police to student health to mm-hmm. housing and residence life to, um, you know, making reservations at the student union. So we really pulled those groups together. And that's how we, we tackled it is we really separated it um, by, I hate to say it, but by silo, by the information architecture of the site. And we appointed a person within either university communications or an expert in that field to lead that team. So for instance, for Campus Life and Resources, um, we called them content liaisons. Our content liaison was over student affairs. And so she knew most of the people um, already. Um, Admissions, of course, was led by our director of admissions uh, marketing and communications. And so she was pulling together the online team and the graduate team and the undergraduate team and the international team. And that's how we were we were able to survive because throughout this all, we started in March 2020, and um, pandemic came. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Just Every, one or two things happened. Just, just a little thing. We kept yeah. going. We did the inform. We did the site audit. We did information ar- uh, architecture focus groups and stuff all through video conferencing, and we kept going. And um, then, you know, the great resignation came, and that impacted us as well. Some people who started with us did not end with us. And, you know, when we launched, I was sending notes going, hey, it's up. And they were excited to see what their work was. Um, but it was it was a challenge. It really was. Yeah. Then we had one or two other things that we had to do during that. that Just a little. Just, just a little, a little bit. 
<laughs> well, you mentioned earlier the enrollment cliff. Is that a big piece of why you were focusing on prospective students or what led to that decision? It was a big reason why. Um, we, we know, and you can look on, you know, I can name drop a bunch of vendors that study how students find their way to uh, institutions and where they do their research. We, but, you know, without dropping names, we know it's social media, we know it's website. Mm-hmm. We also know it's word of mouth. Um, but those are huge. And so our website, we knew, was something that was not up to par. It was not modern. Um, I remember distinctly sitting in a, a meeting of a governance group over our web and mobile operating uh, options that we have here at the university. And I said, the one thing I want us to keep in mind as we go through this project, it is not the end user's responsibility to understand our business structure in order to navigate our website. That right there is an amazing quote that I suspect many listeners are going to write down. I said it twice in the meeting. <laughs> and I said, and if I have to put it up on a banner, you know, as we meet, it's not the end user's responsibility to understand your business structure in order to do business with you. Hey, y'all. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO. I want to take a moment to thank my friends at MindPower who are making season two of this Involify podcast possible. MindPower is a full-service marketing and branding firm celebrating nearly 30 years of needle-moving, thought-provoking, research-fueled creative and strategy. MindPower is woman-founded and owned, WBENC certified, nationally recognized, and serves the social sector, higher education, healthcare, nonprofits, and more. The MindPower team is made up of strategists, storytellers, and experienced creators. From market research to brand campaigns to recruitment to fundraising, the agency exists to empower clients, amplify brands, and help institutions find a strategic way forward. You can learn more about their work in the world by heading on over to MindPower Inc. That's M-I-N-D-P-O-W-E-R-I-N-C dot com. And be sure to tell the crew that Jamie sent you their way. I think that there was silence in the room when I said that. At the heart of it, that's what it came down to. And so we knew the enrollment cliff was coming. We also knew we were already behind in terms of being a modern website. We're a modern university, diverse, inclusive. You know, we, we have esports, you know, and that's an academic program. Like we, we are innovative, but our website didn't, didn't, didn't reflect that. And so people knew that. People knew that and they knew how important it was for an enrollment. So, and, and many of our folks, even on campus, have family members or friends of family and such that would say, you know, it's hard to figure out UNC Greensboro's website. And so yeah. just having that internal knowledge really put the step forward to say, all right, we've got a lot of people who want to do the right thing. What is the right thing? And if the right thing is... You know, no one, none of us are here without the students. So we have to put our best foot forward for our current students, but most importantly, our prospective students. So they understand the UNCG experience. Because once they get here, you know, they love it, they know it, right? And many institutions feel that same way, but it's getting that first impression and our website was not making a good first impression. Well, and it's often the front door for our mm-hmm. institutions, the first place people go. Yes. We have you know, we're at similar size institutions right now, you know, mm-hmm. around that 25,000 student mark. And, you know, there's thousands of stealth prospects that you do not hear from mm-hmm. um, until they apply who are doing all their research on their website. And 
on social media and all of that. But if your website is not telling your institutional story or doesn't reflect who you are, yeah. you're going to lose this some percentage of those students. And you do, because you don't know who they are, you can't convince them with other means, mm -hmm. you know, email marketing or, or targeted ads or any of that. And I think, Jamie, I'll give you an example. One of the th things um, that we were talking about was we were really bringing admissions into the fold into the website because we really it was it was a small website and that you could maybe go three clicks deep and then you were you were off but there wasn't that much content on those three clicks right a lot of it was just links and such but when we we're talking to our folks with admissions um they said you know we, we really need to improve our program pages because that was something they did and we wanted to bring it into the the main website and so I went to a group um, that we uh, call our cross-functional marketing communications team. And that is every unit on campus, business unit or college and school that has a communications director and their roles fluctuate, you know, are they more marketing, are they more PR, are they more, you know, talking with students, but brought that team together and said, this is what we need. We need robust program pages that admissions has, but we need them here and we need to rebuild them and we need to funnel um, through forms to admissions. They started with a new uh, CRM. And again, it was another time where there was silence in the room and I let them come to the conclusion of, we need to do this. Mm. We collectively need That's to awesome. do this. And so it, all of a sudden it became our College of Visual and Performing Arts director of communications was working with faculty to say, you know, okay, all of our programs, this is what we need. We set up a template and we said, here's, you know, we need the headline, we need your meta description, we need your image, um, we need all text for that. Like, went down in the weeds and we taught our comms directors and our content team and then they taught the faculty, this is what we're looking for. And now it's one of the, one of the most challenging sections of the website, still could use some improvement, but it's probably the biggest piece that I'm proud of is when folks will come to that, they will see this is what this program's about because the colleges and schools have the department of x mm -hmm. uh, on their website but yeah. that's that is hey this is what our faculty are doing that is hey current students you can come here that is not prospective student this is what you're going to learn this is what you could do with a degree for your career and here's how to find out more information so yeah. we worked on that and it's it's um we're really hoping that that section um, is loved by prospective students as much as we love it. I can say from experience that um, at my last two institutions, that program page landing page was consistently in the top 10 and often in the top five most visited pages on our website, because that's what students want to know. Do you have the major? What do the classes look like in that major? What can I do with that major? And they don't want to wade through, to your point, departmental structure, or to even have to guess that the Department of Political Science has the major in criminal justice or, or fill in the blank. It's, I love what you said about not expecting the end user to understand your structure. That is such a big problem I see with those college and departmental websites is it, they have the curse of knowledge. And our prospective students don't have that knowledge. That's why they're there. Yeah. They're, they're starting with, I would like to go to college. Yes. And I have no idea anything else. Yeah. 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 Well, that's exciting. So did you have any challenges convincing faculty about those um, program pages being necessary? Because I can say 
I have in the past <laughs> had those challenges? Um, I think we did, but I think once we were able to put forward like a pilot and to show folks, this is what we're talking about. And that's, that's a key piece was that we communicated regularly where we were. Um, sometimes it was every two weeks, sometimes it was once a month and it went through our internal newsletter and we showed people, Hey, here's the designs. Here's what we're doing now. Um, and here's why we're doing this and who to work with. So we tried to be very transparent, um, through our, you know, campus, uh, e-newsletter. Um, and, and for the most part, we didn't hear that much faculty asking, you know, why it was more, what's the difference between that page and my department? Mm. Does that mean my department website's going away? And we were quick to say, no, it doesn't mean your department website's going away. In fact, we want you to put a link to your department website on here, because if you get a student who really wants to learn about political science, put a link to the department there so they can dive in and learn about the great expert faculty we have, what you're doing. Because we also know that's a huge piece for a lot of students is to look at, I want to learn from somebody who's the best. So yeah. where can I find that they're the best? And that's on the department website where they put information about different opportunities that are going on for our current students to really give them a, a glimpse at that. But our first piece is here's the program and he here's the high notes, right? It, mm -hmm. It's real it's high notes, but it's also linking them off to the application, linking them off to the department. And we often uh, also do um, similar degree types mm -hmm. because we yeah. find a student who's like, I think I want to go into nursing, but what if I don't pass whatever, you know, credentials, can I still do some sort of health career? And so we have similar degree offerings on that same degrees and program page. That's awesome. I think, um, a lot of times the department websites can kind of dump content in like the catalog. We need to mm -hmm. have all this information for our accreditation or for whatever. That content does need to exist, but a student doesn't necessarily need to read all 28 course descriptions um, to get a sense of whether they want to attend college at UNCG or, or anywhere. We had a big conversation uh, with our deans and provost council about, well, but the the catalog and yeah. it, we had some folks very some very adamant folks who agreed with us that the catalog is necessary it's necessary for accreditation it's necessary for students but it's a business function it's not a marketing tool but at, looking back dean said i want control over what is said on the degrees and programs marketing page and i said you will but there are also some things that enrollment has to have on that page so we would bring the enrollment team together and the college and school team together. And we try to standardize certain, certainly. So that way, again, when the student is coming to check something for nursing or check something for kinesiology, they're understanding the structure of that page, even though two different people wrote it and mm -hmm. two different colleges. Um, but it's got some key things on it that every student would expect, the apply button, the department button, those kind of things. So it was a challenge. That was the biggest part. And, and Jamie, just so you're, to put it into perspective, um, that part of the website alone, I believe off the top of my head, was more than 400 pages. Wow. So That's that a was, lot of programs. That was, well, so. And 400 conversations. Yes. Plus. Plus. And so that, so that was just one section of the site that wasn't wow. all the other, other areas. So that, that explains why it took us from March, 2020 to December, 22, uh, yeah. to launch. Um, but, but I think it's really, 
uh, in the end, a lot of people doing the right thing. I think we got it. I was in a meeting just yesterday where um, somebody mentioned that we have over 110,000 web pages on our website. And I just, it, it puts this feeling in my chest of, we need to look at every one of those and see which ones are still relevant, which ones are working, which ones aren't. Can we just like say this, all pages that have had fewer than 10 visits in the last year, we just cut them. You know, it's a daunting task to tackle a complete redesign. Was your site a complete redesign or did you reskin anything or were you moving everything manually into the new system? How did you do that? We changed everything. Um, the entire information architecture changed. So we, we rewrote every page on that and it was a decentralized rewrite. Mm -hmm. So what that required us to do was to get training and training for all those writers. So we had training on search engine marketing, search engine optimization, keywords, what makes good content, what doesn't make good content. We really tried to make sure that um, we had what students needed. One of the things that we did before we started the project was we created a committee, the web and mobile operating committee, that's the governance committee. And then we created the team. This was a team that was led by myself and a colleague out of University Communications and the University Webmaster and ITS project manager. It was four of us leading this. One of the things that we did was we started about uh, writing up procedures for content lifecycle. When mm. do we, we talk about when do we sunset mm -hmm. content. We don't talk about archiving it. We don't talk about taking it down. We just say sunset. It, that seemed to be a word that people could, mm -hmm. could get, get, grasp. And I actually pulled from my West Virginia State days. Um, it's a one-sheeter content audit and asked people to look at that. So we started at um, providing everybody what we called the rot which mm. was we're going to ITS would scan your website and say it's an Excel spreadsheet. Look at this and tell us, is this redundant? Is this outdated? Is this trivial? And mm. then do you want to keep it as is? Do you want to keep an edit? Do you want to remove? And so we did that for many of the places that we were pulling into. And now units are doing that on their, on their own sites. Um, but it's helpful to sit there and say, do we really need all these 110,000 pages? Um, the answer most likely is no. And mm -hmm. I also think, Jamie, you know, uh, not only traffic, but like your broken link checker. Mm -hmm. If you ever saw your broken link checker and how many things have broken links, it's it's like a knife to the heart. Um, so, yeah. you know, we're working through those things too. But but having that structure in place, we've, we did not really content audit what we wrote um, I expect a year after launch, we will enter contact, content audit phase where we're really going to rely on people to say, okay, are you using periods with PhD or not using periods with PhD? How are you writing your phone numbers and, and that kind of thing? Um, it's kind of a one step at a time, but it's a, a step that takes like a year. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. But there, there's a lot of um, looking at the data. Do we really need this? Is this the information for the intended audience? And there were some things on the site, let's be honest, that we have to have on the site for accreditation purposes. Yeah. Right. We know there are some of those things. But again, it's prospective students first. Let's get what we have to have on there. But perhaps that's not the first. It's not in the IA. You know, it's yeah. not in the top menu. I think the idea of creating program pages helps get around some of that stuff. Like you have 
the pages that are marketing you, and then you have the pages you have to have. And one of the things that nobody reads, but it seems like you have to have her Dean's messages. I, I love you, Dean's. I, I, I cherish my relationship with Dean's, but um, no 18-year-old is reading a Dean's message. No one in the world. So now that you've launched the website, what has the feedback been like? You launched a couple months ago, right? In December. We launched a couple months ago, um, right around the holidays. So most of our, our students were gone, faculty were gone. And, and that was also a request because at one point, you know, that date moved several times throughout this project. And we heard from faculty said, please don't make us make this move in the middle of the semester. And so we, we agreed. We launched December 19th. Um, there was a couple of bets going on that, um, <laughs> but we did launch. There was the, the, the infamous, you know, do we go, do we not go meeting on a Friday before the Monday launch and we would go, go, go everybody around the table. Um, but the reaction has been a little of, um, you know, we were afraid it was going to be, I can't find this or I can't find that. And, um, you know, when you're thinking about the information architecture and you're doing a complete web redesign, you really hold your breath for those because did you miss some sort of intuitive piece that people use every day that they can't find? Is your, did you miss the mark? Uh, and I'm proud to say, I don't think we got a single one of those. Wow. I think if anything, it might have been, how do, how do I find this? And it's like, okay, this is a drop down. You just missed the drop down. Oh, mm-hmm. got it. Um, but so far, so good. Now, instead, we're hearing, when can I go next? We're mm. hearing from the units, we're hearing from the schools, and uh, Information Technology Services is working with them to coach them up on what do they need to do, and when will they be ready, when will ITS be ready, and um, rock it out. So they're, they're hoping to launch a pilot group, uh, because now it's, we created this design system, we have three different website looks. We call them microsites, complementary blocks and looks, and things can be switched out. And we're trying to launch about three of our more complicated unit sites first, and then we'll open it up and hopefully get those that are not as complicated rolling pretty quickly. And they're hoping to do them all within a year. Wow, that's aggressive. It's very aggressive. It's very aggressive, um, not to mention other projects that they have. And right. I, you know, and I, I think that's one of the things. And, and I remember thinking of this and, um, you know, as you said earlier, we just had a little thing like the pandemic going on, didn't have anything else to do um, during this. But I wish if we had the opportunity to take that core team and the many folks that were working on this, at least at a time, out of their daily duties and Mm -hmm. say, I need you to focus on this. Now, whether that was a writer and they needed to focus on rewriting that website content, and maybe it was a week that take them out of their daily duties, but nobody did that. Everybody added this to their daily duties. Wow. And we fit it into the, into the day. So, because I've been, you know, part of government when they have a new big initiative, you start with the new people. And then at some point you realize, the management realizes we need to dedicate these folks here. We knew we needed to dedicate those folks. We just didn't have them. Yeah. Um, and so in the end, it became, well, let's stretch out the timeline. Yeah. So that's what happened. Is there anything you would do differently if you did it over again? Um, I think I would meet more regularly with the deans. Mm. Um, I think I would definitely do that to explain because we, you know, they're busy. Um, and we would communicate regularly to campus through our e-newsletter, but it doesn't mean the dean had time to read it. 
Mm-hmm. And then they might have someone coming to them that's serving with us and working on it and being frustrated with a certain piece and the dean didn't see the the bigger view, right? They didn't hear our side and then we get a phone call of, what's going on? What are you doing? What, what do you mean we can't do this? And we're like, no, that's not the case. So I think looking back, that's what I would have done differently. And again, if we had the opportunity, I would have pulled some folks off and said, you know, we really need like this week only do this. And, and we do that. The university does that with stuff like accreditation, right? We've, I've been through accreditation. There are times I remember um, hearing the lead on that say, when I need your people, I need your people. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so um, I, I wish we could have done that, but I definitely would have uh, liked to have a regular cadence in meeting with the provost council, which is comprised of the deans, just to keep them feeling like they were um, better attuned to what was going on because our mode of communication, um, I think, worked for the masses, but perhaps did not work for that group. Yeah, I think about in in my role, the fact that I can go to a meeting and come back and have 32 emails an hour later. And I'm sure the deans have that, um, Absolutely. if not more, you know, mm-hmm. depending on and, and so many challenges that they have in their jobs. And even the meetings that I have, how do you make the information that I'm sharing stick with that audience? Because they just have so much going on in, in their days. And I, I think it's a combination of that that meeting cadence and then, you know, the casual phone calls or the casual touch bases, that kind of thing to keep them sort of in the loop. So, Kimberly, what one piece of advice, if you could say to anybody as they're thinking about tackling something like this, what one piece of advice would you give? Um, I would, oh gosh, only one piece. Um, (laughs) I would say have a good partner. Have a good partner in your IT department. Myself, I'm very fortunate to have a very good relationship with our university webmaster. And we actually uh, co-manage two individuals um, that report to both of us. And we started that before we started this project. So we got mm-hmm. to know each other pretty well. And, you know, we're both very busy. And when it becomes, hey, do you have a second, got a personnel thing? Or, hey, I, I need to pull this person off this project. Is, is that okay with you? You know, how much? Because they would have different projects coming out of his shop and my shop. and um, But having, having a really good relationship with IT is vital. Um, and again, having that, that outlook of a lot of people who want to do the right thing and being open to what is the right thing. Um, sometimes you got to put your foot down, right? It's, it's not the mm-hmm. user's responsibility to understand our business structure in order to navigate the website. Um, but other times it becomes, okay, well, yeah, if you want that button on that page, we can do that. Um, so, but I, I don't think this project would have been as successful as it was if, the university communications and ITS didn't have such a strong working relationship. You know, there were four people who were leading this and it was split evenly down, down both sides. Um, and it was the keeping one another in the know too. So-and-so just reached me out about this and about that. Um, and so um, what's funny, Jamie, is, you know, we talk every Thursday for now, about three years, every Thursday, we have a meeting with ITS. Um, and uh, we saw them in person not long after the pandemic, and I was like, I forgot how tall you are because <laughs> you're just used to this, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure other people experienced that too, but particularly with that group, that that really stuck with me. So I would say you absolutely have a good relationship with ITS, um, be a good partner, 
Uh, I would also say do your reading on content strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a book, and, and actually the webmaster recommended the book. It was Content Strategy by uh, Christina Halverson. Um, oh, it was an yeah. older book. Um, but I was like, okay, I'm going to read this, and I did. And then that also showed us, it helped me find the holes that we had of what training that we needed to have in university communications, let alone what other units and other folks who are of other duties as assigned as communicators or as web folks, you know, that's not their primary job, but, oh, you're comfortable in WordPress? Go ahead. You put this up on the site. Like, what training do they need to make sure that we're being inclusive and we're keeping accessibility in mind and we're mm-hmm. helping with search engine optimization? And so um, I, would, I would definitely say read up on it and make sure you have a good and open partner uh, in ITS. That you sort of answered my my last question in, mm-hmm. with that book recommendation, but are there any other resources you'd recommend for people who are interested in, in taking the same approach? I would say any webinars on search engine marketing and search engine optimization. I think that would be fantastic to do. We did that as well. We would look at things and then we worked with our vendor and, and got training and tutorial. And um, I looked at it just the other day. And we're reusing it um, as ITS goes and works with other units. We're reusing those pieces. So um, there's value in going to those webinars. There's value in signing up for those additional trainings. But definitely reading. Um, content strategy is not as exciting as the latest Colleen Hoover book. But, um, you know, it's, it is necessary and it really helped us formulate what do we need to do? How should we structure how this whole thing should flow? Um, so we don't have the burden on one person and we have multiple people working together toward that right thing. That's awesome. So if people have questions for you and your approach, where mm-hmm. can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn at KOsborneNYWVNC. Uh, I'm there. You can also email me at K underscore Osborne, O-S-B-O-R-N at uncg.edu. Awesome. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Jamie Hunt IMC, that's J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-C, or on LinkedIn. I'm happy to chat. And as always, use the hashtag HigherEdCMO to join in the conversation. And thank you so much, Kimberly, for, for coming on and talking about this massive project that pretty much all of us face at some point or another in our um, higher ed careers. And as always, let's go bust some silos and, and follow yes. Kimberly's advice about business structure. All right. Thank you, Jamie. It's been a pleasure being here. Really appreciate the opportunity to chat about what we did undertake in those silos that we busted down. Well, and thank you for busting silos. Yeah. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO with Jamie Hunt. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. 
You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.